You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, senior contributor senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to the first in-season edition of Smoke Signals. Uh, I first want to apologize for not getting to the show last week. Uh, we had some things come up, scheduling conflicts on my end, but uh, we're back and we should hopefully be back on a weekly basis from here on out. But uh, here to discuss uh, some real live Indians baseball with me is uh, Editor-in-Chief for IBI, Justin Lada. Justin, how's it going? Not too bad. It's good to talk about a team that's not, I, I shouldn't say they're struggling, but they're they are hanging in there. So it's going to be, I think it's good to talk about right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some uh, unfortunate in, injury news to discuss regarding, uh, namely, Mark uh, Mike Clevenger. But uh, other than that, this team has uh, shown some nice resiliency in the early goings. Uh, they had their five-game win streak snapped against Detroit. Uh, today as we record this on Wednesday, but uh, they had a four-game sweep against Toronto, and they won the first game of the series uh, in the Motor City. So uh, good stuff from the Indians so far in maintaining some level of fight and resiliency, even though they've been depleted uh, as far as the roster is concerned, and uh, they've struggled. Uh, pretty much almost everybody has struggled offensively other than Carlos Santana and maybe Tyler Naquin and everybody else is right around the Mendoza line or below. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's not it's not great to see this offense struggling like it is. If it wasn't for Carlos Santana, who knows where this offense would be right now? We'll get to him in a few minutes. But uh, I want to start the show just talking about some of the uh, injury news because that seems to be the uh, most pressing issue right now with the tribe, and uh, it's unfortunate because. Uh, he was pitching so well uh, heading into the start of the season. A couple of starts for uh, Clevenger, 12 innings. He hadn't allowed a run, two hits, four walks, and 22 strikeouts. I mean, he was flat out mowing everybody down, and now he's out uh, at minimum six to eight weeks. Uh, well, he shut down, I should say, six to eight weeks with a significant back muscle strain, which, uh, according to... Uh, our resident injury analyst and doctor of physical therapy, Brandon Bowers. It sounds like it's a partial muscle tear uh, up by the rotator cuff. I think it's called a Therese muscle. Uh, and uh, it's it's not good, essentially. So Clevenger's going to be shut down for oh, essentially two months, and he will not pick up a baseball in that time. And uh, he's probably got uh, at least a week or two of rehab after that. Uh, before he's even able to come back. So, man, we could be talking about uh, potentially around the All-Star break before uh, Mike Clevenger is back on the mound in Cleveland. It's really a tough break for the Tribe, and uh, especially the way Clevenger was pitching to start the year. It is really unfortunate, too. Yeah, I mean, 22 strikeouts and in 12 innings and looked like he was going to challenge Trevor Bauer for the Cy Young. I mean, that was what we were talking about. 
Cy Young uh, for Bauer coming into the year, and I know a lot of us predicted when the Cy Young, and then Clevenger's had two good starts. That's just really unfortunate. And it, I wouldn't be surprised they don't see him until August because you figure, you know, six to eight weeks before he's allowed to pitch or even pick up a ball, then he's got to get stretched back out and, you know, ramp back up. And you're probably talking maybe late July before, at best, before he's really able to get back in the swing of things. And if he has surgery, that pushes him out, you know, an extra month. So you're talking maybe September. So there's there's a potential chance if he needs surgery that they might lose him for the year. Yeah, which would not not be ideal for the tribe who are already depleted. I mean, we've already talked all offseason about all the moves that they made and didn't make this offseason. Um the one thing that's been rock solid is the rotation. And, you know, they still have a pretty formidable rotation, even without a guy like Clevenger. But obviously losing any of those five starting pitchers when you have the best rotation in baseball, arguably, it stings. And throw in the fact that uh, your number one uh, sub, a substitute arm in the rotation, uh, Adam Plutko, is dealing with a forearm injury. He's not due back anytime soon, as far as I know. And, you know, that pretty much puts shifts the burden over to uh, who, like Shiway, who, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez, maybe Cody Anderson, although who and Anderson are still working on being stretched out. Anderson is coming back from Tommy John surgery still, and who knows if he's how long it's going to be before the Indians are comfortable with him being fully stretched out. But it's uh, it's not a good scenario, and... You know, people are already talking about should the Indians sign Dallas Keuchel since he's available. Um, I don't know if that if that's necessary. Uh, it would depend on one how long Clevenger is out, and two how much Keuchel, how much they could get uh, Keuchel for. But uh, I think that's to me is a little bit of overreaction at this point. We'll have to wait and see what the full diagnosis is, but. Uh, yeah, it's, they they have a spot in the rotation to fill, and their depth options in AAA are pretty thin right now. Yeah, and I, I okay, the Keigel thing is just, I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous to me. He's held out this long because he will, he's not willing to take a one-year deal. If, he, if that was the case, he would have signed already. Um, and he may have to wait until after the, the draft goes by. And at that point, no one's giving him a, no one's giving him a multi-year deal anyway. So for the Indians signing him, that's just not going to happen. I, it's they're just not going to go there unless, you know, whoever they have filling in in July and Keiko's still out there and things are bad. Maybe they trade for a starting pitcher, or maybe you know Tristan McKenzie has an opening when he gets healthy. That's that's another thing to think about too. Is Tristan McKenzie kind of, is kind of out? I don't think he has the same injury. Um, at least we don't know for sure. It was an upper back strain, but he was out kind of the same time. Like he's, he's, he, they said when he was out, he was going to be out six to eight weeks. So makes you think that, you know, you wonder if they kind of had the same injury. Um, and obviously he's not back to pitching yet. I think he's back in Arizona still getting ready, but I, I don't know who they're going to go with. I, I, I It's not going to be Keiko. And I really don't know who they're going to go with because she who did not have a good spring. I know it's only spring training, but there's some semi-real correlation between for pitchers and hitters too for strikeouts and walks from spring training to the regular season. 
there there's some carry over there we've seen as, as sample sizes get bigger in the spring. So he didn't have a good spring striking guys out. He did have a good first start in Columbus. Uh, his start yesterday was good, but because he pitched yesterday, I'm inclined to think that that's not going to be him on Saturday. Um, so I think it's going to be either Cody Anderson or um, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Yeah, Jeffrey Rodriguez at this point. It could be either one of those two. And if they go with Cody Anderson, they're pretty much going to have to go with an opener or a, a you know a opener and a bulk innings guy because I don't think Anderson's can Anderson's ready to go more than maybe five innings in max because he only pitched two or three innings at a time in spring training and his first start was three innings and he was about ninety ninety two in that start so he's still kind of working his way back and they're treating him with kid gloves so if they go with Anderson it's going to be they're going to have to go heavy in the bullpen. Um, for the time being, and, and that's a scary thing because this bullpen's not very well. Okay, I should say we, we have to talk about that because you know what, the bullpen's actually been really good. I know they haven't really played anybody yet, but the bullpen's been pretty good for the most part. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm inclined to say Rodriguez just because he started eight games last year with Washington. None of them were really great, but I think that's probably where they're at right now until they can find a better option. If it was just like one start. I could see it being Chiway Who or something, but I think probably Rodriguez is the option at this point. Yeah, and I think Rodriguez pitched five, six innings in his uh, first start for Columbus, so it makes most, the most sense. I also I, I discussed this on Twitter, and I also threw, threw out uh, Xiaoxing Chang, although he's not on a 40-man roster, so there would have to be a, a roster move for that. He would be a distant option, but it seems most likely that it would be uh, – uh, who or uh, may be most likely uh, Rodriguez or Cody Anderson at this point, given the well, timing of uh, who's uh, timing of who's turning the rotation in Columbus. So it makes the most sense. Would be hard to get him on the forty because they're gonna have to place play place Clevenger on the forty or on the sixty day IL anyway. So that that opens opens up a spot for Shang anyway if they go that route. But he was down in Akron. Uh, at one point, they, they demoted him back to Akron after adding Matt Whitehouse to Columbus, and then he went back the day after the injury. So I don't know what they're going to do with him. I guess he's—you're probably right—he is an option, but maybe maybe they do that in the short term. Maybe for this week they do that, and then they kind of reassess the rotation and maybe when they're stretched out. I also wonder—and and he hasn't pitched yet because this isn't really even fair to talk about—but I also wonder if this opens up the door for when he comes back for Danny Salazar, if if he can stay healthy. I'm still, the the, the the next time Danny Salazar pitches on the mound will be on a mound either in a minor league game or a major league game is, I, I, I'm i hold, not holding up high hopes for that right now. It's just, I, I, I well, don't I'm not either, it. I'm just saying. Right, I, yeah, I understand sure, what you're sure. saying. It, it's, it, I think there's, uh, there's still a long road ahead for Salazar before he's even considered for major league, uh, major league work at this point. So, yeah, I mean that that's that's fair. I like I said, I mean I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't count on him to throw one pitch for you this year. But these things have a way of working themselves out. Remember, Salazar didn't have an option. He when he came back and he was help, when he ready to pitch, if that if that were to happen, the Indians had to have a spot open for him because he doesn't have any options left. So. Right. These things, yeah. these things have a way of working themselves out. Very true. Very true. So uh, to call, to fill the roster spot uh, uh, in Cleveland that 
abandoned by Clevenger. They called up Nick Whitgren, who looked pretty solid in his in his first start or his first outing rather, uh, ending in a third with four strikeouts, one hit allowed, and uh, yeah, as you said, the bullpen's been pretty solid. The only guys uh, in that bullpen who've had ERAs over four so far are uh, Neil Ramirez and Oliver Perez. Uh, that's not great, given those are supposed to be two of your key relievers, but uh, guys like, obviously, Brad Hand, Adam Simber, uh, Tyler Olson, Dan Otero, uh, John Edwards, they, they've all looked pretty good in that bullpen, so it's uh, definitely nice to see them uh, coming together, at least in the early goings, and kind of... Edwards has had a few shaky outings. Other than that, I mean, they've mostly been good. Right, so uh, uh, so Clevenger out six to eight weeks, and we could see him out for potentially a good portion of the season, maybe even after the All-Star break. Uh, who knows? Uh, it's just a matter of finding out what this injury entails as far as rehab and maybe even surgery. Uh, on a brighter note, Jason Kipnis is uh, rehabbing from a right calf strain. He is... Two for twelve so far in Columbus and rehab start and rehab appearances, but uh, he has a double and an RBI in those four rehab games. So uh, I would imagine he's getting close to being activated soon. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, they reconfigure that infield with uh, Max Moroff, Eric Stamets, and Brad Miller once uh, Kipnis comes back. I would think that Stamets might be the odd man out just because of how he struggles so much offensively. Uh, although, you know, more often Miller haven't exactly done so great at the plate either. But uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, Kipnis getting getting close to activation and how that uh, affects the roster uh, in the near future? If they send Stamets down, then they're down to one guy who can play shortstop. That's Max Moroff. So I'm inclined to think that's going to be Brad Miller. Um, I have a hard time thinking they're going to let Max Moroff be their starting shortstop and then not have a utility guy, um, especially considering Moroff's a switch hitter. And I think Tito likes having that on the bench. Um, I, it, I, it could be Miller. You know, I also wouldn't be surprised if they send Greg Allen down. They haven't played him much. They, you know, he he's a switch hitter, but he's mostly better from the left side against righties. So he's not really a platoon um, kind of guy. So I don't really know what they do with him. I, he has already sat too much as it is. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they're definitely going to send. I mean, they might keep Miller for the short term just in case to see how Kipnis's calf turns out maybe. I definitely don't think it'll be Stamets. I don't think you'll see Stamets go until Lindor comes back or if they finally just have enough and bring up Yu Chang, which... You know, we can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I think I would see if it if it comes down to it, I would think that Stamets probably goes on the bench. Uh, he hasn't done well offensively. There's no two ways about it. I mean, he has a couple of hits uh, his last couple of games, including that little league home run. Um, but he's leading the team in strikeouts with 16. He's batting 071, and uh, he only has two walks to go with those uh, 16 strikeouts. So, yeah, maybe you could put him on the bench because he's still got that value with the glove, and you let Brad Miller go. Uh, but at the same time, you know, 
Uh, Brad Miller, I think, you know, it hasn't been much better offensively, but I think he's been uh, somewhat better. He's got a, a better strikeout-to-walk ratio, nine walks versus four strikeouts. He's hit a home run. He's got some power. So I think there is some value to be had there. Uh, it's just a matter of if they can justify uh, keeping him on the roster uh, with Jason Kipnis and Max Moroff and Eric Stamets or however they want to configure it or they send down an outfielder like Greg Allen, like you said, uh, that's what's going to be interesting to me to see how they uh, figure this all out. So Kipnis is getting close to coming back, and uh, it will be good for this lineup because I think that based on how Kipnis played in the second half last year, which I think a lot of people don't realize how good he was uh, later in the season. It's it just because he struggled so much in the first half in the early portion of the season that's kind of weighed down his numbers. Uh, but getting Kipnis back in this lineup will definitely help things out. So uh, one way or another, he's coming back up, and he should be a nice boost for this lineup. Yeah, they definitely have missed him. And I, I mean, like you said, Brad Miller has been mostly good as far as a short-term villain. But I think people kind of realize, I, I've, and I've talked to some people who have not been big Kipnis fans the last two years and said that it feels like the floor is a little bit higher with Kipnis, that you have a little more faith in him than you do having to run out of a journeyman like Brad Miller as decent as he's been in the short term. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll... Uh... Keep an eye on that and see how that whole roster situation shakes out and the infield shakes out. Uh, I would imagine within probably the next week or so, we'd probably see Kipnis get activated and, and uh, return to the Indians' big league club. So, uh, speaking of Francisco Lindor earlier, we have uh, the latest update on him is he's going to be reevaluated next week after suffering that left ankle sprain during a rehab work in Arizona when he was coming back from that right calf strain, really unfortunate because he was actually rehabbing pretty well and looked like he was going to come back strong, possibly be ready for opening day. And then uh, he tweaked that ankle, and it's a high ankle sprain. He had to go see a specialist and I think even get a second opinion about it. And now it's just there's no timetable on him. We're just in the wait-to-be-reevaluated stage. Uh with uh, Clevenger now out, potentially a good significant part of the season, now having Lindor out too for at least another week, and I would imagine a little bit longer beyond that, uh, this is uh, not shaping out to be a good April health-wise for the Indians. Yeah, it just seems like they can't get anybody all hit at the same time. This is like... Worst case scenario too, because you came into the year thinking, okay, the you know the offense is going to be as good because of losing Brantley and uh, trading Edwin, and I mean even though getting Santana back's been great, uh, and then playing you know a bunch of rookie, a couple of rookies or guys that are pretty young, you know having to press start full time now and, and having to play Jake Bowers and guys like Jordan Luplo who don't have a ton of experience. And you were hoping that you can rely on the rotation and then have your two lineup anchors, you know, carry those guys early. And then Lindor gets hurt and, 
they can't obviously they can't sustain their injury to the rotation, and it's a good thing, really a good thing they didn't trade Bauer or Kluber now, isn't it? I mean, boy, if they had done that, they'd be in real real bad shape with the rotation. They'd only have one of those two plus Carrasco and Beaver, and it would not be good. I don't know who would be the fourth and fifth starters at this point. But yeah, they just you hope when Lindor comes back, he's 100%. I think that's affecting how Lindor, how how uh, Jose's playing right now. And yeah, you just hope when he gets back, he's the same. And you hope it's not too far off because I think whenever he does get healthy and if he is back 100%, he'll have a chance to maybe offset, you know, being down one of your aces. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, it's it's great to see uh, Shane Bieber off to such a good start this year, and <clears throat> I think, uh, was it you or was it Corey who made the bold prediction that, uh, or somebody, I, I, maybe on Twitter, um, made the bold prediction that Shane Bieber was going to be in for a breakout year. Uh, I think a lot of people have been saying that. But uh, if you look at his first outing, uh, it certainly seems that way. I mean, and uh, well, he's made he appeared in two games now. He uh, one game out of the bullpen. Uh, he pitched eight innings, allowed three runs. He struck out eleven, so he's got the strikeout working. Then maybe that new changeup is uh, is uh, doing wonders for him. So. We heard about that all off season, and it looks like it's starting to play up early. So great to see, and yeah, I don't even know what to think of what where this team would be without Kluber or Bauer right now. If Mike Clevenger's on the shelf for a significant period of time, you'd probably be seeing Jeffrey Rodriguez, maybe even Cody Anderson or Shiway, who up in Cleveland right now, and that rotation would still still be pretty good uh, above league average, but they would not be like the toast of the toast of baseball as, as they are and as they were. So it's, uh, I think in hindsight, it's, it's good to look at it that way. Uh, but you know, some people come back at you at the same time and say like, well, if you traded Kluber or, B- or Bauer, you would probably have uh, secured a, at least uh, uh, one major league ready talent and uh, maybe uh, shored up the future with some prospects a little bit more. So, you know, there's two edged sword if you want to look at it that way. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, if there was an injury to happen, a significant injury like this, it might as well happen or the strength of your team. That's the starting rotation because Maybe the Indians can sustain a little bit more, but with the roster depleted in other areas as it is, you know, you can't really afford to have many significant losses, especially for areas that are supposed to carry your team like the starting pitching is for the Indians. Yeah, and and, I don't even want to bring it up, but I mean, with the way Carrasco's a line drive magnet and and Kluber's had a little bit of injury issues the last two years each, it just... You really hope that someone in that rotation is ready to come back and step in, whether it's, you know, Anderson getting stretched out and healthy, whether it's McKenzie or preying on Danny Salazar, I don't know. Or or Adam Plutko gets healthy even if that if that's a possibility. But yeah, the last thing they need they they need had, can afford now is a any sort of it doesn't matter who it is at this point, if they they get hurt, they're in trouble. They have no no depth left. I guess Maybe in the outfield because they're going to have a log jam in the outfield as, 
is not a great a situation as the outfield already is. If they have an injury come up, I don't know what they'll do because they've already got a log jam coming with the Carlos Gonzalez situation. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Gonzalez is uh, progressing well and getting tuned up for uh, for the season in Columbus. So uh, maybe pretty soon we could start talking about him uh, getting called up. Maybe I would give give it maybe another week or so. Uh, but yeah, he's going to be in a factor in this uh, on this roster as well. So you know, we'll have to see. But uh, Let's move on to a positive note because I'm talking tired of talking about injuries and doom and gloom right now. Uh, where was it's this? Like the weather last year, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, let's talk about uh, where would this team be right now if they didn't have Carlos Santana? Right now, he's batting 378. He's uh, fifth in the American League in batting average. Who thought we would ever say that? Um, I mean, it's early in the season, but he's got a homer. He's leading the team with eight RBIs. And surprise, surprise, he's got twice as many walks as he does strikeouts. So uh, Santana has been the linchpin of this team, probably not just the offense, but probably this team in general. Uh, I mean, I know the starting pitching and bullpen have been solid as well, but I really think that it hit, a lot of it is hinging on Carlos Santana's performance and then and their early season success. The only reason they're above 500 right now, I think, is because of how Santana's been swinging the bat. Yeah, I they might have. I mean, this is not this is maybe not an exaggeration, but with how much offense he's provided, how many big hits he's had, I, they might literally have one or two wins right now if they didn't have Carlos Santana. Now, would they still have that Encarnacion or Yandy Diaz? We don't have to get into that. Um, if they had one of those two, maybe that makes up for it because they're both off to great starts too. But yeah, if they just simply didn't have Carlos Santana, they legitimately might have one or two wins. It's nice yeah. to have him back, and he's he's using the whole whole field to hit. You know, he's hitting balls up the middle to the gap. He's hitting it hard, playing a great first base again. Runs the base as well. I mean, it's like he never left, and he he almost looks like a better player in some ways. Because you know, we remember in the past, Santana didn't get hot until the second half. It was almost like he had to have an incredible second half to get to his level to dig out of a bad first half. And this year, he's having the best April of his life, which is funny because Edwin Encarnacion is probably having the best April of his life, and we never saw that here. Yeah, exactly. I know. it's He's tearing the cover off the ball for Seattle right now, and I know Yandy Diaz is doing well in, in Tampa Bay. And of course he he's is. Ar- he's already, uh, <laughs> he's already uh, receiving a lot of uh, love from the fans and the local media there about him being a potential future star, and this makes me... Makes a little tear run down my cheek every time I see another uh, another tit by him or somebody another headline about him being a uh, a star of the future for the for the Rays and I'm like yeah he could have been that in Cleveland too if they had just given him a chance I mean maybe I don't know we can't predict these things but uh, it certainly seemed like he wasn't given a fair shake but uh, that's beating a dead horse discussion that we won't get into, but, uh, yeah. As far as Santana goes though, do you think that there might be an element of, you know, he leaves, he signs the big money contract, Philly, uh, decides that they're too disappointed in his performance to keep him and 
uh, justify keeping that contract. They trade him, and he gets traded not once but twice during the offseason. And now he's back home in Cleveland. Do you think there's, like, a little extra motivation factor saying, like, you don't think I'm worth the money you're paying me, uh, then I'll I'll prove it to you. And maybe just coming back to familiar territory might have something to do with it as well. I, I think he's definitely happy to be back. And it just sounds like he's been working on hitting the ball of the middle. And, and you know, they were talking to Ty, Ty Van Berkeley, I was saying, that he was just working on staying in the middle of the field, which is something he hasn't done well in his career. But I, I think he definitely likes being home. I mean, he... Every time they interview him, he talks about how Cleveland is his home sweet home, and you know he never sold his house. He subletted it to Edwin Encarnacion, which, you know, ironically enough, he gets it back from him. But I just think he's happy to be back, and I think he's he probably learned a lot. I think he learned about a lot last year in Philadelphia about having to be. He was kind of the, the main veteran there. It was him and Jake Arrieta, you know, had to really carry a young team in Philadelphia. They struggled last year, but. They had some expectations after a good start. So I think being somewhere familiar, picking up some of the things he did in Philadelphia, and like you said, I think now that he's got the contract settled and he, he wants to prove that he's worth it, I think that all of this play into it for sure. But I think really he's just happy to be home. Yeah, I think so too. He definitely he definitely seems to be happy uh, uh, giving off that vibe. He really is... Uh, he really seems to have embraced the community. I mean, I know fans, the cynical fans will say, like, well, if he likes it so much, why did he leave? I mean, that's just the nature of the game. You, As a player, you want to make as much money as you can, and you go where the money is. And uh, as, for whatever feelings you might have for uh, a team or a city, uh, that, that's just the way it works uh, more often than not. So, But I, I think that Santana, if, he had, if the Indians had offered him that deal, that's the other factor, too, maybe. Maybe that that offer was just never on the table for the for the tribe, and given they, their uh, financial constraints, uh, I I think that's not too far of a uh, too far of a leap to uh, jump to as far as uh, conclusions go, and uh, maybe that uh, their offer negotiations were just never on the table, and Santana's like, you know what, I I know this is the right time to make some real money, so I need to go somewhere else. But I do think that in the end, uh, ending up back in Cleveland, I think is probably something he, in probably uh, always wanted and always preferred. It's just it, it was the opportunity wasn't there to uh, do that and make the money he knows he probably deserves. So uh, good to have him back and good to have him hitting the ball the way he is, and he's proving to be a, a already proven to be a, a the true leader of this team right now, especially with so many guys hurt. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, we talk about war and uh, wins above replacement and everything like that. I think the value of Santana right now easily could be uh, 80, 70 to 80% of their wins right now, which I know isn't many, but uh, they, he's been involved and seems like in every single win. I, I seems like every, every game he's driving in a run and – Usually he's the one breaking the uh, breaking things open, driving in one of the first runs of the game. So that's great to see. Not to take away from the guys who have helped and have contributed in these wins uh, for the tribe, but uh, I think it's it, it's starting and ending with Santana right now, and it's it's great to see. So uh, 
talking about we talked about a little bit about the infield and how some of the guys have struggled. How about uh, do you think it's time to consider calling up Yu Chang and pro- probably more likely Ryan Flaherty to uh, take either Eric Stamets or, or Brad Miller's spot or maybe even Max Morales? Who knows? Depending, I think most likely would be Eric Stamets and and just my opinion, but. I think that, uh, especially the way I know Flaherty's starting out the season well, and we know the upside that Chang offers, uh, do you think it's time to consider calling one of those guys up to see if uh, one of them can do a little bit better at the plate than what uh, Stamets is bringing right now or some of the other guys? It was time like a week ago, without a doubt. <laughs> I yeah. said that on Twitter. I mean, okay, so Terry Francona's explanation – when when they brought him on the roster was that they felt like they knew he could catch the ball and he'd make the plays and they'd hope for something with the bat. And and that's fine and well when you, you know, originally with Lindor's injury, they thought, okay, he might be back the second week of the season at worst. He might miss, you know, five to seven games. And you know what? That's fine. If you, if, if you expect that Lindor is going to miss the minimum, he's going to miss maybe two weeks. You think, okay, we can survive with Eric Stamets' glove for two weeks, which really is a bad explanation because this offense, this lineup was not good to begin with. Then you take out Lindor, it's not, it's, it's even worse. So that's not really a great explanation. But I can see, like, okay, for a week we'll survive. It's April, not a big deal. But after the ankle injury, I think they really, I mean, I know they already had Stamets on the roster after the ankle, ankle injury. But once they realized that, Lindor is going to be out until probably May or at, at, at best the end of the month here. They really st- should have started to reconsider because with how bad this lineup was, you can't afford to lose your best, you know, I don't know, I'd say best player. I think Jose Ramirez might be the better hitter overall, even though he's kind of struggling or has struggled since last year. But, yeah, I, I think Yu Chang needs to be up. I, I know Eric Stamets only made two errors. I know you can't say, you know, he's a bad defender because he's not. But, you know, he's made two kind of costly errors. And I know they won the game the other day even though he made that big error. But if he's not going to catch the ball and your offense is not, your lineup's already kind of struggling, you need to you need a guy out there who you think could run into one and, and provide the better upside. Now, if Lindor is going to be back in two weeks, I don't know. Is it really worth it with Chang at this point? Maybe not, considering they've already gone this long with with Stamets. But I think they should have reconsidered from the beginning when they knew Lindor was going to be out with the ankle injury. And if this is if they're do, if they're doing this because of Chang's service time, first of all, that's that's ridiculous because you can't scale back payroll in the off season and say you're because you're losing money and you're trying to think about the future and then lose your leadoff hitter, the heart and soul of your team, and your you know, best hitter or second best hitter, however you want to you want to put it with him, and then play service time games with a guy who could be a capable fill-in, you know, and lose the offense for the first month. That's a really, really bad set of decisions between the payroll and, and service time stuff with Chang. So, yeah, I, I think he needs to be up right now. I totally agree. I think that uh, he should have given more, been given more of a chance out of spring training. I don't see uh, why he, at this point, he needs to be in AAA longer than he already has been. I mean, I mean, I guess I can kind of see, uh, you know, he has some issues with strikeouts. He doesn't, he hasn't hit for as high average as he has in the past, and maybe they wanted to see about 
adjusting his swing a little bit, try to make better contact and see more pitches. But other than that, you know, he's a guy who still offers definite upside, even if they're bringing him up right now. The power is way better than any of the guys they have on the roster right now, as far as the infield goes. Uh, he's not the best defender at short, but uh, he can also play third, and uh, I think he's played a little bit of second, too. So he's uh, versatile and can move around the diamond when you need him. So I think given the upside and the flexibility on the field, I think that uh, Tang could be a, a viable option for a fill-in option for uh, the Indians if Lindor is out. And, you know, somebody, I think, mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, I saw where uh, they said it was this was an ideal situation for the Indians to really give a chance to some of their uh, young players, like a Yu Chang, and see if what they can do. Because, you know, you have some holes to fill on the roster. You have some injuries. But you are in a division that should pretty well be in hand. Uh, so why not run out guys like Chang and Greg Allen and, uh, I mean, even if you want to run out an Eric Stamos to see what he's made of, although we pretty much know what he's made of at this point, I would say, I would think, uh, get some of these young kids out there and see what they can do and see if they can help you, uh, later on in the season when it gets down closer to crunch time. And I think that, this, this is something the Indians should be taking advantage of and should probably have already been taken advantage of uh, because I do think it's, while it's not an ideal situation, I think they have some opportunity here to really capitalize on seeing if they can get some of these kids some some work and seeing if they can, seeing if they're ready to uh, help the big league club right now. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see then get a couple of those guys up. I don't know. Like you said, I, I think we know what Stamets is. I don't think there's any – this isn't a surprise. I mean, I know these couple errors were kind of a surprise, but the the bad offense isn't a surprise. He's never been a good hitter except for, you know, one fluky power year. And I think there was a reason to hope Chang would make the roster anyway in kind of a super sub role where he could maybe platoon with Kipnis at second base or – give him planned days off so he can stay healthy throughout the year, maybe give Lindor a day to DH and maybe play some third, give Jose a day to DH. I think I think having Yu Chang in the roster just gives you more flexibility because, A, he potentially has the bat, and, B, you can put him at third base, second base, and shortstop and be comfortable with all of those spots and give those guys semi-days off. Maybe they can be – I know handling on the roster complicates things, but – you can give those guys full days off when they're when they're when they're back, and you can also move them to the DH spot and just have Ramirez on the bench for a day, and have Chang fill in. I mean, for and you could still get Chang. I know they want they don't have Chang sit when those guys came come back, but you can have him play five days a week doing that almost. Yeah, and. Uh... I think there's a lot of reasons that it makes sense for uh, Chang to be on this roster right now. And like, like you said, if it's uh, a service time issue, then I still don't understand. I mean, I understand it from a business standpoint and what they're doing, but if you want to see what these, what these guys can do uh, at the major league level, now is the time to do it, as I said before. And I think that the Indians do have, uh, a unique situation. It's 
it's not a great situation, but it's it, there's opportunity to be taken advantage of. And I just don't know if they're doing the best job of taking advantage of it right now. And I hope to see Yu Chang soon, but I have a feeling we might, if we're going to see anybody, we're probably going to see Ryan Flaherty. Um, so that's pretty much where things stand right now. But there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, infield shuffling and outfield shuffling too when Kipnis and uh, Carlos Gonzalez are getting ready to uh, be called up to the majors. So we could see a lot of uh, things happen with this roster, possibly see a, a nice revolving door with some of these players uh, either going down to Columbus or maybe even heading to free agency. Who knows? But uh, you mentioned yeah, Jose Ramirez. Oh, real go ahead. Quick. Who, who do you think is going down at this point? Because I, I read they read today on The Athletic with Zach Meisel that the Indians do have a plan in place to bring up Carlos Gonzalez. They just don't know. They are not ready to announce the move, but he is going to come up. And he has that opt out of April 20th. Who Who's going to lose their spot in your mind? Because I already said Greg Allen. I was originally going to say Naquin when he was struggling. And because he's a left-hander, you're going to send down a left-handed bat to bring up another left-handed bat. But Luplo's struggling, and he's barely playing. And he's young, and he's to play more often. But so does Greg Allen. So I, I legitimately don't know who goes back to Columbus when they're ready to bring up Gonzalez. And again, you know, these things have a way of working themselves out because the whole situation last year with, you know, Lonnie Chisholm and Melky Cabrera. But I, who's going who's gonna to go back to AAA? My... My gut tells me it's probably going to be Jordan Luplo for all the reasons you said he's not playing much and uh, he's not doing much when he is playing. Uh, you know, Naquin lefty for lefty makes sense, but he's been hitting the ball better lately, so I don't think they send him down. And uh, so yeah, I think I think it's just, it's got to be Jordan Luplo at this point. Well, Jake Bowers hasn't been swinging the bat all that well. I mean. He's had a few key hits here and there, but uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to pick. Uh, if I had to uh, lock down somebody as, as who would be sent down, I think it would have to be Jordan Luplo. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what's going to be good. The good thing is Gonzalez has hit well in AAA. I don't know if that means anything, but I'm a little more comforted by that considering I wasn't really excited by the signing in the first place. Right, so... Uh, I imagine that probably once uh, next week's podcast comes around, we'll probably see some more clarity on that, hopefully. Um, I was just about to go into, you mentioned Jose Ramirez is struggling right now. He's batting 154. He's uh, got two walks versus five strikeouts. Uh, not a horrible ratio. He's not striking out a ton, uh, but he's not putting the bat on the ball either. I mean, I've seen a lot of like the pop-ups and... I guess he's starting to swing it a little bit better lately. He's using the whole field a little bit more. But, uh, you know, based on how he struggled so much at the tail end of last year, you wonder if this is starting to carry over. Maybe if there's some kind of issue with his swing mechanics that's causing a problem and maybe that just didn't correct itself over the offseason and spring training and it's still carrying over from last year. Should we be worried about Jose Ramirez at this point or is it just still too early? It's well. It's definitely still too early, no matter what. I know it. I know people are going to look at the continuation of last year uh, as a part of the struggle, and maybe it is. But I don't think you can totally correlate the two, you know. But I do look at some of the, like you said, the batted ball profile. So 
he's not pulling the ball like he did last year. And, and I think I per, I personally think this, that the shift is in his head. I think ever since he saw that four man outfield in the spring training and, or he started seeing four man outfields late last year, I think that's been in his head. And a lot of the shift is getting into his head and he's trying to go back to beating it or trying to, you know, find a way to beat the shift. And it's, it's, causing him some issues to swing. I think I think you're right. His mechanics are probably out of whack. Um, he also right now has a um, hard hit rate higher than last year. And again, this is super early, so it's hard to draw any conclusions. His, his average on balls in play is really low. He's not striking out any more than he ever has. He's not walking a lot right now. I think he's getting into a case where he's trying to hit his way out of it. And that's going to cause some issues. You know, last year when he was struggling in April, he was walking a lot. He was walking more and he struck out and he did for the year. But he is not, you know, he was hitting a buck, whatever, buck 80 last year, but he had like a 300 and something on base percentage. You know, now the on base percentage isn't there right now. He'll get out of it. He's, I have no doubts he's going to get out of it. It's just, I think someone's got to help him figure out Either you have to go back to pulling the ball like you did and just try to beat the shift that way and hit the ball in the gap or hit home runs. It's hard, the four-man outfield. I guess if teams are going to do that to him, but how many times a game can you do that? He's got to hit more home runs, or he's got to do what Santana is doing where he's got to use the whole field, and I think he's trying to do that, but he's struggling to make his adjustments that way, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned, but not to the point where okay, this is a, a real problem and he's not going to find it again. Because I think it's ridiculous to think that <laughs> the guy like guy like Jose Ramirez is just never going to hit again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not hitting the panic button either, but I think that based on the fact that there is a pa- an established pattern from last year, and even that was not a huge sample size, but based on that and now – He's 11 games into this season and still struggling. I think there's, uh, it's worth raising an eyebrow right now. And, but I agree with you. He's proven himself to be too good a hitter for too long now to be uh, struggling this much over a long period of time. And the good news is I, I like that he's not striking out. He's not the him not drawing as many walks kind of concerns me and probably alludes to what you said about how. He's just trying to uh, be over-aggressive and hit his way out of a slump. Um, uh, at least it's not leading to strikeouts. I think that's the, that's a really good thing. If he was striking out more like on a level of uh, Stamets or uh, Lanos Martin, I would be more uh, concerned, but he's just not at this point. So I think based on everything you said about his batted ball profile and just not being in his favor right now, I think that there's a uh, a good chance that this could just all even itself out over time just based on law of averages. So, uh, but it's definitely, uh, uh, it's definitely eye-opening to see how much this offense really hinges on him and Lindor. You know, you got Lindor hurt, you got Ramirez struggling, and Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, thank goodness for Carlos Santana because with Lindor and Ramirez essentially non-factors right now, this offense would be absolutely nowhere. And I remember thinking back to seeing what that opening day uh, offense looked like and how they performed. It's I was just like, 
I was floored by just how, uh, not that I was was surprised by it necessarily, but I was just floored after seeing it in person and how it all played out, like just how inept that offense was. And uh, against, I know Barrios was, Barrios was a good pitcher, but he just carved through that uh, lineup like it was nothing. I, the whole Twins pitching staff, they come around a little bit and, largely because of Santana's efforts and some key hits here and there by others. But, uh, yeah, without Lindor and Ramirez, essentially, this offense just doesn't have any kind of real firepower behind it unless uh, Santana continues to hit as well as he has. I also think it's fair to note, too, that you would expect that, that Jose's probably being pitched around a little. like. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's okay. He's not swinging the bat as well he as he normally has. He's got some issues from last year, so pitchers have that in the scouting report. But at the same time, look who's hitting Miles. So he's hitting second right now, and he's got, you know, he said Tyler Naquin hit behind him. He said Jordan Lubel hit behind him. I mean, Jake Bowers. Gonna put, yeah, he's not exactly had a who's who hitting behind him. Whereas, you know, last year he had Edwin Encarnacion hitting behind him. He's hit fifth before with guys on base. I think you also have to look at, you know, he's teams view him as the most dangerous hitter in the lineup right now. And I know Santana's hitting well, but, you know, I think pitchers still respect Ramirez more and they're being careful with him. And I, I think without the protection of the lineup, and I know some people don't think lineup protection is real, and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know necessarily if it's real or not, but. I think he's being pitched to probably differently just because of where he, you know, the Indians lineup. I mean, if he's the only true threat, pitchers aren't going to give him anything serious to hit. No, they have no reason to. And, uh, yeah, and with him hitting second, he doesn't have, if he was hitting third and Santana was batting behind him, maybe it might be a little bit of a different story, but he's batting second and, with Tyler Naquin, which I still didn't understand, him batting third, and... Uh, that was a rough few days. Yeah, it was. And Jake Bowers, who has upside but hasn't shown it yet, and uh, Jordan Luplo, who, again, another guy with some upside but hasn't proven it yet at the major league level. They, the Indians don't have a number three hitter. See, if, I, if you have Ramirez in second and you don't have a legitimate number three hitter, uh, it's it's not a pretty picture, and I think that Ramirez might be feeling some of the effects of that uh, for, all, for everything you said. The pitchers just might not be uh, willing to p- throw anything worth hitting to him right now. But even so, uh, not to take all the blame off of Ramirez, if they were pitching around him, you would think his walk rate would still be higher, and it's not. So uh, there's there's some of this still falls on Ramirez's shoulders, even if pitchers aren't giving him anything to really work with. Yeah, well, that probably just goes to the point that he's trying to hit his way out of it. Right. All right. Um, well, uh, just to kind of end on a positive note, despite all the things that uh, the Indians have, all the issues the Indians have had this year, they're still uh, off to a decent start. I mean, like I said, they were coming off of that, coming off of that uh, five-game win streak, sweeping the uh, Blue Jays, who I know are not great this year. They won the first game against the Tigers. Uh, they're now seven and four on the year after losing to the Tigers today on Wednesday, and now they head into a new week. They 
finish off the series with the Tigers. Three straight day games. I don't understand that at all. Um, and then they go to Kansas City to play the struggling Royals, who we know are probably not going to be much of anything this year. So they'll they'll play them for let's see. Uh, they'll play them for three games. Then they head to Seattle. Uh, so they're working their way west here. And then after that, they will return home and after an off day and take on the Atlanta Braves and Miami Marlins. So, uh, again, kind of a weird April schedule this year. I know we say some, there's always something to say about the schedule every year, but it seems like it's very odd this, this April in particular. Three straight day games against Detroit. you got two straight interleague series. Uh, a whole interleague homestand coming up at, toward the end of this month. But otherwise, uh, just to go back to what I mentioned uh, at the start of my point here, uh, how the Indians are playing well. They're 7-4 and four despite uh, all their struggles, injuries, what have you. It's uh, nice to see this team uh, show some fight and some resiliency, something I think that they kind of missed uh, last year. They didn't really seem to have that same fight and resiliency we've known them to have in the past. And so while it's still early, it's nice to see them uh, show that early on uh, this season, uh, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, they're they're definitely plucky. I think that's the right word. I mean, you know, Jake Bowers and, and Mike Clevenger mentioned at opening day about how the team was fighting back and they needed a pick-me-up after they blew the lead on opening day, or op- I should say the home opener. Um, I, I do think there's a bit of a – they almost have like an underdog sense about them right now. You know, they know who's injured, and it's going to go even more with, with Clevenger now, but they know – the state of the roster. They know that people don't think they're as good as they have been and that they could lose the division that they're not going to go anywhere this year with all these guys. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in that lineup or in that, in that locker room who are hungry to prove that they belong at the big league level. You know, you got Jake Bowers who wants to prove that he can be a viable big, everyday big leaguer and a bunch of other guys. You know, Roberto Perez wants to prove that he can, he's worthy of these everyday at-bats. And I, I do think that's, a good thing for them. I think maybe they got a little complacent last year and, you know, with the injuries and some of this being the, some of these guys first time doing this, uh, they won't have that feeling this year. And I, I would agree. I think they know they have to come together as a group and scrap for wins, especially these injuries. And I think so far they've, they've had the mentality. And I think when Lindor comes back, it's only going to get better because he is definitely their emotional leader in that clubhouse. And it's only going to make them do that feel that way even more. Absolutely. So if there's one good thing to take from all this, it's that the Indians, I think, have a little more of a sense of urgency. It, and I think it's having that legitimate uh, minute, limited margin for error, error uh, is something that can help, they'll ultimately help them in the long run. We've seen them thrive on that in the past. So, uh, you know, if anything, they're going to go out there and they're going to fight they might not be the best team and have the best roster out there, but they, they're they going to go out there and, and do the best job they can with what they have. And with Terry Francona leading things, you know, we've seen him do uh, squeeze a lot out of very little with his roster. So they got the right man at the helm, too, to make that happen. So hopefully this continues and they can uh, continue to, their momentum into next week. So, uh any thoughts on these these next uh, few games coming up? Uh, 
last one against Detroit, and then you got the Royals and, and Seattle coming up, and then interleague uh, homestand to follow. Uh, any thoughts on that? I'm really interested to see how much, because the, you know the Royals are going to run. That's what they're going to do with that roster. So it'll be fun to see them against Roberto Perez, but I'm really curious to see how how much they run with Kevin Plucky in the lineup. I don't really know anything about his arm, to be honest. So I don't know how good he is, but I guarantee you that the Indians catchers are going to be super busy uh, in that series, and the pitcher is holding on runners. So yeah, you know, whoever comes, that's that's another unfortunate timing for Clevenger to be lost is with how much Kansas City likes to run that his pickoff move, if, if he allowed anybody on base the way he was striking guys out, maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but. I'm really interested to see the Royals and, and how they run. And the Mariners, I think, have the best offense in baseball so far. I just saw Jay Bruce left the game on Wednesday here with an Achilles problem, which is unfortunate for him. But they've got a good offense, so uh, the Indians pitching staff is going to be challenged in that in that one. Absolutely. So uh, we will uh, keep you apprised of those games. Be sure to follow all our coverage on the site. Uh Adam Shable is doing our coverage this, again this year. Uh, as far as the Indians beat goes, uh, you can get all the breaking news stories and game recaps and everything from him there. Uh, Justin, you have anything you want to plug on the site coming up this week? Uh, let's see. Well, the captain's notebook is up right now, so that'll be yesterday. As, as after you listen to this, it'll be a, been up Wednesday. So go back and take a look at that. Um, the Lynchburg Notebook's going to be running today as well. Um, I have a feature on Tyler Freeman coming up here soon. That's going to be coming up either this weekend or early next week. And I think you and I are going to have to chat about uh, the Diamonds and the Rough Series coming back too. Yeah, uh, I'm looking to get that uh, going probably next week. Uh, that'll be an every other week uh, series where we just feature kind of in a similar format that we did the uh, prospect countdown. We feature players who did not make our countdown, and uh, we give go in-depth on, on their pro, prospect profile and see uh, what kind of upside they offer, even though they're not necessarily in the, in the spotlight. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting that going, too. But uh, So, yeah, as for me... Uh, I have nothing really to plug other than that uh, Diamonds in the Rough. Uh, I'm looking to get the Four Thoughts column started again. I'm still trying to get things situated with my schedule as far as work and a new job and everything is concerned. And uh, Then I have... <clears throat> I think the other thing I would want to plug is uh, the Art of the Podcast, the Farm Report Podcast. Corey and I did our first in-season uh, show this past Tuesday, and uh, that posted... Or that's past Monday, rather, than posted on Tuesday... And uh, we went in depth on some of the uh, pitching prospects in the organization, kind of apropos and unintentionally apropos to what's been going on with the Indians' rotation. Uh, we talked about guys like we talked about guys like uh, Luis Silviedo, John Carlos Mejia, uh, Justin Garza, guys who have been pitching really well to start the year. Uh, not necessarily in the higher levels of the farm system, but guys who could potentially be a big part of the future long-term future of the rotation. So check that out and get all the prospect insight from us there. Um, so uh, other than that, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at JT Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can follow the the, sh- the podcast account on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI. Get all the podcast links. 
everything else related to either this show or the farm report you can find there also follow the uh site account at official underscore ibi all the uh article links and breaking news everything you can find there related to our content and our site um and like you said like i said uh follow us on twitter and give us uh any question, shoot us any questions you have about prospects or the Indians, we'll try to answer them to the best of our knowledge. Or if you just want to talk baseball, we're always up for that too. Uh, Justin, good show tonight. Uh, glad to be talking baseball here in season. And uh, hopefully things start to look up for the Indians on the entry front. And we start to see this roster come back into full strength and hopefully start to continue to see some winning baseball moving forward. Yeah, let's hope the next time we do this that we have some some better news on the injury front and not more bad news. Absolutely. Well, hopefully that will be the case. But until then, uh, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.